0: Coming up on this week's episode of Destination Linux, the DL Triforce meets to discuss this, the subject of proprietary software. Does it belong in Linux distros? We have some updates coming from the beloved Blender, and Proton has a new product to sink your privacy teeth into. We then head on to our gaming section where we take a look at a game called Shing. I bet you can guess what the name entails. Well, you have to do the. Yeah, if you do You have to do the. Just the name, but you have to do the sound effect. If you do the sound effect, totally. But of course, we also have our popular tips and tricks and software picks. All this and so much more coming up right now on Destination Linux. Welcome to episode 190 of Destination Linux. You are tuned into the number one video-centric Linux podcast on the planet. This is your source for great discussions on Linux and open source. My name is Michael, and with me today is Noah and Ryan. So let's find out what everybody's up to this week. So Noah, what have you been up to this fast? I almost said my name wrong. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Here's the thing, Michael, that's who you are. Uh, this week has been busy. Uh, the thing is, with the way that COVID has forced people to work from home, we're doing a lot of the same things over and over again, so there's nothing really new and exciting. But what it is giving me is a really great perspective in how people use services, how people want to interact with their technology, and I think that's going to have some major ramifications and 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 give me some insight as we get into some of the stories this week, um, like the thing that broke with Proton.
2: Well, I've got an interesting question for you, Noah, because Mm -hmm. I was perusing through Telegram and somebody was talking about setting up a NextCloud instance and that there is a new chat. I don't know if it's new. There was a chat feature in NextCloud that allows you to bridge between all of the other chat platforms. I'm really interested in playing with this. Have you tried this yet? Yes, I have. We have NextCloud Talk rolled out at AltaSpeed. And so what what I would tell you is,
1: so NextCloud Talk, the, the, the thing that is nice about uh, Nextcloud talk about Matrix about any of these platforms is they're all using the same underlying technology. So in the case of video or voice, it's RTP packets. In the case of text, it's encrypted text. But they're they're all using the same thing, which means that it's very easy to integrate and incorporate one open source thing into the other. And so um, you can certainly tie Nextcloud talk to. Other platforms, but I've had far more success and found it to be a much more robust infrastructure uh, to 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 embed matrix into Nextcloud itself. Um, and so if somebody was just said, hey, I just need to be able to ping the other guy in the office. It's just the five of us. We all just want a place to talk. Then NextCloud Talk is just a plug-in. You can use it. It works great. If you want more advanced communication, like you want different channels to be in, something like that, then I would go to something like Matrix. But again, the nice thing about Matrix is you can self-host it and you can embed it right into your next cloud client. And so you have the best possible chat program with the best possible cloud alternative all in one place for you. And even though they're two separate projects, even though they have two separate uh, you know, directions and all of that, they're run by the same open standards, and so they're completely interoperable.
2: Nextcloud is well. quickly becoming one of my favorite open source projects out there. It's a it go-to is, standard.
0: It's amazing. Absolutely love it. Ryan, I am super interested in what you've been working on this week. So as
2: you know, I built the beast, right? And, and in the Linux world, the beast to me was... A pillar in my community because it was one of the first times, number one, that I started my video series in Linux, basically saying, hey, I'm going to take the most powerful equipment that I can afford, stick it in a computer and run Linux on it and show you what Linux can do on the desktop. But the beast, as you know, Michael, because you've been to my house, was literally a beast. It was a massive case and it had massive. the most high quality components all you know, put together to really create the best performance possible, which is why even though some people technically had higher specs, when I would do benchmarks and things in the videos, I was stomping their $800 video cards because I surrounded my components with the best possible components. Well, I've taken that same idea and rebuilt the beast into a tiny 14 inch by seven inch by 12 inch case that has a handle on it. And this is the Leon Lee TU-150, which also checks another box for me because when I was a kid, Leon Lee was the Neo Geo sitting in the window that I couldn't afford. It was kind of the premium case, the best case you could get for a computer. And this is me going back and getting one of these cases now as an adult and filling it with the best possible components out there. And it's so light and small, it takes up almost no desk space, but the amount of performance I haven't done the videos or released them yet, but I'll be doing a full build out and everything on my channel is just insane. And this includes things, although this piece hasn't arrived yet. Thanks a lot, FedEx, which like <laughs> is the Sabrent drive NVMe M2 that runs on the PCIe 4.0. So everything in here is really a premium quality product to really show and run Linux and what it's capable of in this. So I'm, I'm just super excited. And When I, when it hit its post screen after I put it together, it just seeing a computer come to life, building it piece by piece by hand and seeing it come to life. There's just nothing else like it. If you've never built your own PC, I highly encourage
0: you go do so. Yeah, I I was actually, I totally agree with that. And there was a a time where, and I met met Ryan and we started talking about hardware and blah, blah. and And eventually he convinced me to build my own computer. And when I did and it worked and it all set up, I was like, this is, this is like the best Lego set ever. And because exactly. once you know, exactly once, once you're done with it, you also now have a fantastic computer to, to play with at that point. So it was And you know how to work fun. on
2: it, take it apart, repair it, do maintenance on it yep. because you built it with your own hands. It's and when awesome.
1: something here's the thing when something goes awry, you're like, ah, I remember that MVME drive didn't really feel like it was seated all the way. I bet I should look in exactly. there for, you have an idea where to look. So here's the million dollar question, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Where's the old really powerful thing what happened to it where's it? the beast
2: is gone the beast has been sold i rotate my equipment as michael knows generally every three to six months um the beast is gone
1: when six months can i get first dibs at your next rotation
2: (laughs) there's a long (laughs) list of people who say that but you know i recycle that same money into and and the reason i do that is to bring because i spent a lot of this on my own money all of it's my own money um to bring the high quality components to the Linux world because a lot of people show videos today and there's nothing wrong with that on the older equipment and old laptops and everything else. I like to showcase Linux on the latest and greatest hardware and show what it's doing there. And so I rotate that and as the new hardware comes out, I rotate it in and that's why, you know, even though I'm an AMD fanboy, this particular one's got Nvidia in it. So that was something else to check out. So it does change. Now I personally prefer AMD, This is a Ryzen build, so it has the Ryzen CPU, but we're trying something different with the GPU side of things. So there's always something new that we're bringing to the community.
1: Now, where can people get, where can people see the review of this?
2: DOS Geek channel. If you go follow me on YouTube, you'll see it there or library. If you don't like YouTube, you can check out the videos there. I'll be putting that, editing that footage, the building this machine this week.
0: Yeah, that is awesome. And also it's, I like the way that, um, but Ryan, when I first started talking to Ryan, he would tell me that his process of doing the updates of the hardware, I was like, that makes total sense. Why you are a fig fan of rolling release? Because you you roll your hardware, and it's yes, just
2: it's big. I it's, stick to rolling all the way through. It's it's, it's my it's, life motto.
0: It's impressive. What do so, you even are up considered
2: to using Arch? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Well, I've thought about it, but you know, it's just too hard. For too me. much effort. Yeah. yeah, I can understand that. So, so, Michael, what what have you been up to, man?
0: I've been doing quite a bit, but I, I wanted to talk about the fact that I I, I told you I was going to make some new videos on my channel, and I have released two new videos. And Whoa, What? Yes, two have they new- been in production since 2012? I mean, te- theoretically, but in okay. in the sense of uh, <laughs> I made a one video is is like the six six cool things about the Linux history that I wanted to tell people about. And I also made a video about um, Firefox because I'm in, in order to, in that we talked previously in the last episode about promoting Firefox and stuff like that. So mm. I made a video about uh, multi-account containers for Firefox, which is the best feature. And I go into the process of how to use it, what they are and all that, especially even like advanced features and stuff like that. Uh, it's a fantastic feature. If you have never tried it in Firefox, you 100% owe it to yourself to do it. So go do that. Love it.
1: This episode of Destination Linux is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer friendly cloud platform in the world. And you can get started today by going to do.co dln. So here's the truth about DigitalOcean anytime you want to start a job, the server is never the thing you want to be focusing on. It's just a problem you have to solve on your way to doing the job. And DigitalOcean is optimized for making managing and scaling those servers intuitive and easy with their API. What does that mean? It means that you can tie to a chat room, you can tie to a mobile client, you can tie to other management infrastructure that can dynamically turn servers on, turn them off, reprovision them, those kinds of things. They have the load balancer, so they're going to take care of all the network performance. One of the things that people don't anticipate early on, we we have to Talk to clients about this all the time. They say, we're going to take a server, we're going to stick it in a data center or plug an internet cable into the back of it and then we'll run our own services like you're always talking about. It's not the way to do it. There is a process that you have to follow. What's going to happen if the internet goes down? What's going to happen if the power goes down? What's going to happen if the physical host fails? Well, DigitalOcean has thought about all of that. They have all of this in their world-renowned data center with their virtual private cloud in all regions free of charge. That means that you create multiple private networks that isolate your workloads from the internet. You can do all of this in their infrastructure, on their platform, right through the website, for just five bucks a month to get started. Actually, it's not five bucks to get started because we're going to give you that free. We're going to give you a $100 credit by going to do.co slash DLN. You can use that $100 credit to spin up over a dozen droplets, even some monster-sized droplets that let you run that for two months. Then you can decide if DigitalOcean is the right solution for you. Again, you can get started on DigitalOcean with that $100 credit by going to do.co slash DLN. And a huge thanks to DigitalOcean for sponsoring
2: this week of Destination Linux. So this week in our community feedback, Ken writes us to say, hey there, I love the podcast. Well, we love you. We love your face, Ken. Because of COVID, I have some time on my hands and I wonder what version of Windows you guys would use if there was no, oh, oh, oh no. Oh gosh, Uh, Noah just went into convulsions. Noah's had convulsions. What version of Windows would you use if there was no Linux? Really scary thought or Mac. I personally would go back to the Commodore 64. Also, I think you should have a fundraising drive to help raise money to help Michael with his weak thumb syndrome. That's a really good idea. It's a very serious (laughs) syndrome that we really want Michael to get help with. Sure. Bye and have a great Linux journey, Ken. So the question posed to the panel here is, what version of Windows would you run if Linux and Mac didn't exist? Or no, he said you could run Windows, what version, or you could run Mac. It's easy for me, I'd run Mac.
0: Oh yeah, Mac, easy. I mean, if, if the choice is between Windows and Mac, that's not really a choice because what version of Windows? None of them. I mean, maybe Millennium Edition just for the lulls. Seven was decent. Okay. Towards that's
1: the it. end. So I'd uh, I'd give up on desktop entirely if I couldn't use Linux. And let, let me let me tell you why that is. Fair point. Um, both of you picked a platform that the software manufacturer doesn't want to support anymore. Apple doesn't want to support the desktop they want you to go to ios and if you look at every release of mac os it gets closer and closer sure. to ios now to be fair including it, their hardware right huh their hardware their hardware. Is great. Their well, hardware they're moving
2: great. to arm so i'm saying like including their hardware they're moving that direction right. with their but, so you so
1: what, what 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 i would choose is just to give up on the desktop entirely by de facto if you go that mac route that's essentially what i think you're doing i think that windows is skating towards a a pristine desktop environment, but they're skating towards a desktop environment as a service. Um, this is already a thing, right? Dell already offers a, a lease on a laptop. You can go rent a laptop from from Dell for sixty five bucks a month. And it'll be pre-installed with Windows 10 with all of the enterprise features you need, and that comes at a monthly expense with an Office 365 subscription. This is the way that IT is going. So, if you want to go do business, then 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 and you and you're barring Linux from your equation, then then Windows is probably the right way to go. If you want it for personal use, then Mac is probably the right way to go. Understanding that you're really transitioning towards iOS and the Apple ecosystem, the the question is is it's it's good to provoke thought because it provokes this kind of discussion but here's the truth the truth is linux is a choice and linux as a choice for the desktop has never been more important because right now this is we are the only people that even half care about delivering a decent experience on a physical box that sits in your home and does not and is not connected to anything else apple wants you to be connected to icloud windows wants you to be connected to azure and let me tell you the power of taking a, a Windows machine and that's that never been touched before and plugging a flash drive into the side and simply powering it up and waiting. And the laptop boots up, connects to Azure, adds itself to the domain, installs all the programs, provisions the hard drive, sets up all the users, restarts itself the whole night and just hand it to the user and go, this is done. There's a lot of value in that for IT companies. The question you have to ask yourself is, is that an IT? Is that the in IT infrastructure that you want to participate? If the answer to that question is yes, then go that route. The answer to that question is no, is hey, I really have an interest in actually being involved in this thing and I want to pick out the video card or the hard drive or the whatever. Then you better be thankful that that desktop Linux is available to you because I'm not so sure that you're going to have that option with Windows or Mac OS 10 years from now.
0: Oh, yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think, I mean, this is like, this is just a thought a thought experiment of you know not using, if we didn't have the choice, of course we have mm-hmm. the choice and therefore the answer is obviously the, the choice is Linux. Uh, but I would also like to uh, change my statement from previously saying Mac and just uh, completely copy Noah's. So uh, there we go.
2: Yeah, no, that was brilliantly, <laughs> it really was brilliantly said. And I think when we get into our big topic this, this episode, we're gonna kind of touch on some of that desktop Linux and, and where it's going and and some of the concerns that we may have for it. But ultimately, I think you're absolutely right. I think a lot of the industry is moving that way, and it's not something you're gonna be able to easily stop. I think we're further from them reaching the end goal that they wish they have due to some technology limitations, but there's no stopping. fact that they're pumping billions of dollars to move everyone there. And Linux is really one of the last holdouts there. So we have to protect it.
1: Well, you know what? I'm sure every time we have a discussion like this, there's always a point that we didn't consider and you can bring it to our attention. We love hearing from you. Everybody in our worldwide community, we want to hear from you and we have so many ways for you to get involved. If essentially, if there's a way for you, if there's a way that you prefer to interact with us, we're there. Um, The best way though, send your video links or comments to comments at destinationlinux.org.
2: One of the open source projects that we're going to cover here next in the news to me is one of the premier, we've talked about this before, open source projects when a lot of people will say proprietary software, it has all the bells and whistles, it has all the the corporate backing, all the money piled into it. And so you get a cleaner experience, maybe not more powerful, but a cleaner experience than what you get in a lot of open source software. But then there are things like. OBS, there are things like NextCloud, and there are things like Blender that actually are examples of open source software done so well that in itself, it becomes the industry standard over the proprietary options. So when Blender has a new release, I tend to pay attention. Now, I actually have videos on my channel about doing things like video editing in Blender, but that's just one component of the Swiss army knife that Blender is because it kind of does a little bit of everything out there. In fact, I would tell you if you're looking at an open source project and you want to get involved that may lead later down the road to a career, Blender would be one of those options, especially if you have artistic talents and things like that of an open source project that would be worthy of your time to actually go utilize. So Blender 2.90 is released with the tagline, the freedom to create. And that's true. Like Unlike other company taglines where you don't have any freedom and they have a software license to make sure you don't, with Blender, you actually get that freedom. So I love that tagline there. And they continue to polish the user experience, introducing improvements to EV, cycle, sculpt, VR, animation, modeling, UV editing, all of these things in this package. Michael, I don't know if you've spent much time with Blender, but I just, every time I get into this program, I have a book, Blender for Dummies, because <clears throat> I'm a dummy. And uh, <laughs> I, I read through it and you know, I learned video editing in Blender. Mm-hmm. I, I just love this program because of all the things you can do, but you're more artistic than me. I mean, you've got to be blown away by what Blender is and what it represents.
0: Yeah, yeah, Blender is amazing. Like, there are so many things about Blender that just, like, blow me away every single time I look at it. I have done a lot of stuff in Blender, and even after years of using it, I still don't consider myself anywhere near an expert or even an experienced user because it is so much. It does 3D modeling. It does motion graphics. It does video editing. And it does more of that. There's like probably at least eight main purposes that it can do, that it can be an alternative to big industry type things. And it's a very good industry alternative. It's not just one of those, well, it happens to be an alternative. It's actually one of those things where it is a massively powerful application that can do the things that it sets to be an alternative and do it well. And one of the things about this latest release that is really impresses me is the the special effects aspects of this latest release having us a cloth simulation in like on basically on mesh layouts of like animations. This, it sounds kind of silly, but cloth animation is a very difficult thing to do to make it seem natural. And it's also a great way to combine a, a, a foot, real world footage with CG and like use, if you have like good cloth simulation, you can blend those two together and you can make it almost unnoticeable. And my favorite example of that is there was a part in the Lord of the Rings movies where they run across this uh, volcano and on this bridge, it's a hundred percent, a hundred percent CG on that that moment. But you can't really tell because it's 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 pulled back a lot. But also the cloth simulation on it is so good that it, it doesn't it doesn't give you the uncanny valley f- effect. And Blender makes it possible to have that high quality of a thing through an open source software. It is just an amazing piece of software, and I can't thank the Blender folks enough for making something that awesome.
2: Yeah, and I'll go further and say that you thought of Lord of the Rings. I thought of Final Fantasy. I remember the first time seeing the Final Fantasy videos, the animation at the beginning of the game, where each of the individual hairs were moving on the head of somebody Mm -hmm. when they were doing that animation. And when you look at what Blender has done in this release, they are focusing on the things that the industry is focused on. And this is a really important example for Linux because a lot of times, I'm just going to be honest here and get a lot of hate mail for it, but Linux doesn't follow where the trends where things are going. They're they're kind of just like, well, we we gonna stick with the desktop and the way we've known the desktop for thirty years, and that's where we're going. While everybody else is looking at integration, Blender is a perfect example of an open source project where they look at what's going on in the industry and they're adapting to those changes so that they can stay up to date and stay in the top place because they treat it like it's a competition. Because we should be treating it like a competition. And I'll give you one of the examples in here specifically is the fact of ray tracing and the work they're doing with Intel and in that. NVIDIA spent half of their conference this week talking about ray tracing. Blender's already integrating ray tracing deeply within there across multiple architectures to make sure that's a part and available mm-hmm. so that they're not sitting there four years later as the whole industry goes to ray tracing going, oh yeah, we should add that feature in which frankly is how a lot of open source projects seem to run.
1: You know, the other thing you see and and you saw this with the latest re- release of Blender is they release new compositors, they release different modules that come in. A lot of these are based off of other open source other open source projects or other open source platforms and so the standards themselves are evolving into yep. an open standard um which makes if even if Blender even if, if there's the, the next blender that comes along has a better chance at being able to participate in, and compete in this space.
2: Absolutely. Well said.
1: Proton Drive is excited to announce that the creators of Proton Mail are in final beta for Proton Drive. So yeah. what pro, what Proton Drive is, is secure online storage. And Andy and his team have been working on this for, for a long time. Um, they released a blog post this week talking about the security model for Proton Drive and going over the data model, how these files are actually stored on the back end, how they implement encryption, how users get access to them and how that's going to work. Now, this is in very early days. They're using PGP encryption as the way to encrypt using asymmetric keys to encrypt the data and store it on on, on their services. Essentially ProtonMail is trying to compete with the G Suites of the world, but in a way where you just Sign up for a subscription service. So, from the from the article, all keys and passphrases are generated through the client side only and transmitted. In encrypted form to the server. This is very important. Anytime you're looking for some cloud based services, this is what you want to see that it's encrypted client side. This is something that Dropbox does not do. Similarly, file and folder names as well as file contents are sent to the server in an encrypted form, which makes the metadata inaccessible. This is, again, a place that a lot of places try to skirt the wording. They'll tell you that the data is encrypted, and it's true, the data is encrypted and stored um, with a key. What they don't tell mm-hmm. you is either they have that key or other parts around the data, such as the file names and folder structure. And, and so on and so forth are not encrypted. Um, again, they're using PGP encryption for everything. And each node in the tree, whether it has a file or folder, an asymmetric key or passphrase is also generated. The node uh, for the node key and the passphrase. So they're essentially using a very similar model that they've used to Proton Mail, and whereby which the actual key that's used to encrypt the data is secured then with a passphrase that only you know. So you can rotate the password or you can rotate the key, either of which will generate new uh, new, fresh security for you, one not necessarily having to be changed for the other. And so they have a lot of details as well as diagrams, flows, so much more. All of that's going to be linked in the show notes. We invite you to check that out. But a huge congratulations to Andy and the team at Mail, for their continued work. Um, we're going to be really excited to, to, I can tell you, Unequivocally, we're going to switch to this at Ulta Speed when it launches. Um, it's cool to see that this project is continuing to move forward. You know, Proton
2: Mail was a game changer in the way that they delivered the encryption model that they did, but also made it extremely user-friendly. Like anybody can sign up for Proton Mail. In fact, I was shocked that there I, I had a, a boss that was not somebody who's highly technical, highly geeky, highly into this privacy and security stuff and I asked them for their email address and they gave me a Proton mail address. And I'm like, really? Really? really. So it's, it's one of those things that has just really taken off, even if you're not an expert. But what I love about what they've done here is they have broken down on this blog, the entire system of how their encryption is working from beginning to end with diagrams and charts explaining each and every piece. And at the very end of this, they say, hey, if you have comments and suggestions, They're not sending you some random comments at ProtonMail.com. Here is the direct email address to our security team. So if there's something that we can change here, we will. And so they're taking their time. And ProtonMail gets a lot of crap for this, by the way, because things like calendar and stuff take a really long time to roll out. And the reason they take a really long time to roll out is because you can see in this blog, they actually take the time to number one, communicate with the community. Here's what we're doing. Here's how we think we should implement it. What do you think? And then making sure that what they're releasing is not another security hole potentially to for, for people to break in and get into. So they're taking the time where they should. They're involving the community. They're opening it up. This is true open source here where you can see every little piece of what's going on behind the scenes. And that's why it will be, like you said, an easy no-brainer the second they release this. Yes, I'm going to use it for my storage, of course, because it's Proton and I just love this company.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's the the, the thing about Proton Mail is like when I first heard of it, I was like, okay, I'll I'll, I'll be open to it, give it a shot, because it's it was all talking about the security aspects and everything, and before everything before that was kind of a complicated thing to deal with, and then when I tra- I signed up for Proton Mail and realized, oh, that's it, I'm done. Like that's That's
1: how encryption's supposed to work.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. what I want. I want it to be frictionless but also give me the value of the encryption stuff and that's what Proton Mail is. And then when they announced the calendar, I was like, "Oh, I can't wait for this to come out." And now they're doing the Proton Drive, which is basically what we've been wanting for a long time to have a company that we know values uh, privacy and security to provide a suite like this that you know, everybody really wants to have something like this kind of thing. And as like a business thing, or as just like just general usage as a as an individual, and to have the bent the value of the encryption and the privacy values on top of it is just just golden there.
2: Yep. Our security advisory this week is brought to you by Bitwarden, and it's to secure your printer. You know why I put this security advisory here is because I moved into a new printer? neighborhood. I turn on my Wi-Fi, I go to set up a printer, and I see all of my neighbors' printers coming up as available unsecured i could go print to them and send them harassing messages and other things because nobody thinks about their printer and goes i need to secure this thing but Noah, i think you would tell people anything you're putting out there on the network and advertising the sid for would probably be pretty important for you to think as a potential entry point into your network
1: yeah i i personally i don't understand this here's all you need to know about wi-fi when we started Wi-Fi, we secured it with the equivalent of wired privacy. It was called wired equivalent privacy, WEP. And that meant it was exactly as secure as just plugging a cable in. And guess what? It was nowhere near secure as plugging a cable <laughs> in. And so here's the thing. We have, WPA, we have WPA2, then WPA3, and there, there are it gets better every single time. But if you want perfect security, you should be isolated. It shouldn't be connected to anything that has the internet. And if you're going to have Wi-Fi, and you're going to have those kinds of of, uh, of networks and you're going to have things open, then you should properly secure them. And that means changing the SSID. That means changing the password. That means staying up to date with firmware. And that means that you need to keep track of all those passwords. And if you're going to do that, we recommend you use Bitwarden.
2: That's right. Bitwarden is the absolute best password manager out there. I set up a new PC that I just built. Of course, what's the first thing you need to do? I need to log into all my accounts. I need to get Telegram open so I can yell at Ted and say, why is the show not ready this week? All of those things. To do that, I need my passwords, and I don't use the same password for every single program. I have a different That's password, a idea. different complex password for idea. every single program. How do I manage that? Because I'm an absolute genius, and I have a photographic memory. Now, if you believe that, I have some land to sell you, but the truth is <laughs> what I use is Bitwarden. Bitwarden does all of that for me. and makes people think I'm a genius and have a photographic memory because Bitwarden secures all of those passwords for me. I can get into the accounts when I need to, whether I'm using mobile, whether I'm using a website, no matter where I'm at, if I have a connection, I can get into Bitwarden and find my passwords, which has saved me more times than I can possibly count. The best part is Bitwarden is 100% open source. We're going to be drilling into this subject a lot in this episode. It's very important to us. It's very important to the community. And if you want to, you can even self-host this. But Bitwarden is so awesome that if you go to bitwarden.com slash DLN, you can get started for absolutely free. But the best part about this is if you want just some more perks on top of free, like a gigabyte of encrypted storage, two-step authentication using YubiKey, an additional way you can secure this, Vault Health Reports, TOTP authenticator, and priority customer support, $10 per year, per year. You could find that money in your couch cushion. You could support an amazing open source project. You could keep your password secure. You can use it as password generator. You can even do secure notes in there for $10 a year. We love Bitwarden. We were using them well before they were ever a sponsor because it's just a product we believe in. We all use and trust. So head to bitwarden.com slash DLN and we thank Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of
0: Destination Linux. Yeah. So up next in the show we're going to talk about something that I am I, I think we're going to have a little bit of a debate here. It's a thumb war. It's going to be a thumb war and unfortunately my weak thumbs might have a battle against them. But uh, so we're have, we're going to talk about proprietary software and whether or not it's necessary. So our almost expert panel is going to have this topic. We're going to discuss whether this is a value to the Linux ecosystem or if this is a potential negative. So let's talk about um, the the possibility of if these proprietary software products were on Linux, wouldn't that bring? more people to the platform. For example, if Adobe brought in their software and Microsoft Office was available and uh, various different games and, st- and game stores and various different titles like that were available, that that argument here is to say that proprietary software on Linux provides a path for those people to ju- to use Linux because there's no barrier in their place. I personally take that position and say that proprietary software is not only... A valuable thing to have. Gross. It, it's a necessary thing to have for the moment. Now, open source software is by far more important, more valuable, and overall the better approach for methodology of development. There is no doubt about that. I 100% agree with that. But there's a, you know, however, piece right here of simply saying that proprietary software is currently the norm. And by forcing the proprietary out of our ecosystem, we are forcing the potential for our ecosystem to grow, and I suggest that as an ecosystem, we embrace proprietary. Of course, like, a weak thumber em- would take and then, that position. No, of no, course, ex- a weak thumber would. No, no, no. I, I,
1: I, don't. I don't. I, I have to say, I, I, respectfully disagree to a certain extent because, um, you know. So consider this, right? The standards are decidedly moving in the open direction. For sure. Um, you know i mean and, and and in a very fast way i mean to to there are now major national banks that don't run their infrastructure on anything unless it's open source because they're concerned about it so i, I so to a certain extent I, I don't know that i necessarily agree that proprietary software software is necessary but i think that are the order of a t- anytime you're trying to 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 change anything create whether uh, it is to standardize something or break away from a standard the way you do it is in slow incremental steps the way that the way the reason that we're all using excel today and not lotus 123 is because excel first made it backwards compatible with lotus 123 so everybody imported their lotus 123 spreadsheets into excel and then just never left excel. And so as LibreOffice comes along and says now I'll give you an open alternative where you can open your spreadsheets, if it worked perfectly every single time, nobody would actually pay for Microsoft Office because indeed every client I've ever worked with says, well if the free one will work, I'll be happy to use it. The thing that bites us is every once in a while it's not it's not quite perfect and instead of fixing that, we move on to something else. And so I think the order of attack is First, we get open source on the computer itself. Get everybody using some sort of of, of audited open source code, even if that thing is a Chromebook. And then from there, you start and build yourself out and say, okay, now can I replace uh, can I replace Google Drive with something like C file? Can I replace the rest of G Suite with something like Nextcloud? Can I replace something like uh, like iMessage with Matrix and slowly start to move those components out? That's how I think we get to an op- that's how I think we get onto an open source ecosystem but from the open source ecosystems perspective what we have to be cognizant of like ryan said we have to be constantly focusing on what the rest of the market is doing and then how can we uh, attack that i just had this conversation with martin wimpress he is he is very much opposed to matrix because he believes discord is a more uh, approachable platform for people and while i agree it's more approachable the reality is it's not open and and it's under the control entirely of discord and so where open decentralized platforms come from whatever they are if it's messaging if it's if it's broadcasting if I- any which way that we want to interact with the internet that should be up to the individuals that make up the internet not some company that we pay or go through to get there and so if we and and so once we have that that basic the basics covered then if we stack proprietary and software software on top of that and we have for example a steam game that we play during our DLN Game Fest. Who cares? We, it's, Steam runs its proprietary, sure, but we play it for the time we play it and then we close it down and it's gone. We're not relying on that. We're not invested in that. We're not married to that. It's just a thing that we're using. It's a tool in the toolbox. That's the appropriate way to look at the tool in the toolbox. You hear that. People say, well, I don't, I'm not going to use Linux because uh, it's just the operating system and software and platforms are just tools in a toolbox. That's true to an extent. But once you begin to rely on that tool, once you begin to live on that tool, now you should be asking yourself bigger questions like – do, am I locked in to the vendor? Do I have choice in how I do this? Does this product suit my needs? And if not, do I have a path to fix that? Or am I just beholden to the company and hope that they value the same things I value? This is where open source wins in security. This is where open source wins in flexibility. This is where open source wins in implementations. Businesses are seeing that. The world is seeing that. That's why we're going the direction we're but
2: going. I, I agree with you, but let me tell you about my my journey. My personal journey in Linux is four years ago when I started, people were very... Aggressively telling me, like, if I was using a proprietary software, that hey, you need to go and use this open source version of it. You should be trying this open source version. Hey, have you tried this open source alternative to what you're using there? And that was me growing as now today. When it works, but when it, it sucks, it, it's, it's just seems a terrible like a
1: recommendation. Com-
2: it yes. seems like a completely different place, though, today, in which not only are we okay with proprietary software, I see many companies that are basically the foundation that we're expecting to move us forward in Linux, focusing on the proprietary software. That's a mistake. For instance, NVIDIA drivers, do we need them? Sure. They own most of the market. They're the most powerful GPUs out there. This isn't even an arguable statement out there. I think they own 80% of the external GPU market. Intel owns most of the internal GPU market and the rest is left to AMD. So can you just ignore that? And we don't have Linux boxes that can run in a video card? Of course not. But do we tell AMD and Intel, you're a second-class citizen if you don't get your drivers in time too bad, uh, but we're going to make sure NVIDIA's are our focus when you're installing? No, they shouldn't be. We should at least make sure AMD and Intel have a better experience as good as because they made their open source drivers for the desktop portion open source for us to use. And this goes across the whole portfolio of Adobe and Microsoft Office and everybody come in and they all were just like, hey, this is great. Now we can bring more people over to Linux. By the way, we didn't need this stuff to get Linux to its popularity where it is today, right? Somehow Linux existed and grew and took over everything without having to have these products. But if we're saying we have to have them as that middle ground to bring more people in, Should we really be promoting them and then turning on all of their privacy stuff? So I've got this really secure Linux operating system, but I have all this metadata still leaking out through the proprietary software that makes it worthless. Why don't I just boot into Windows at that point? If I'm gonna run all this proprietary software on my machine and the tool in the toolbox example you gave, I mean, imagine a mechanic who had a, a, a license on his wrench and is like, oh, sorry, you didn't renew your license. You can't repair the car today. This is what we're dealing with. This is what we've been fighting against. But now, all of a sudden, I feel like the community has kind of given up and, like, you know what? If we want it popular, let's pour in the let's pour in the proprietary. Where I, I think we and have now to we have the same it. thing
1: we had ten years ago. We just call it something else. Listen, I want yeah. to retract my answer, and I, I'd like to just go with yours.
0: Yeah, thank you, <laughs> Michael. You lose. week thumb. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait again. Uh, Oh, I, uh, uh, I, it's my turn now. Okay, so actually. I do agree with a lot of the things that you're both saying. The core principles of what you're saying, I 100% agree. Open source is more powerful. It is more useful. It respects your freedoms and all of that stuff. I 100% agree. However, the best tool for the toolbox example is in some ways a very limited thing because you're ignoring that for some industries, such as the designer industry, um, that is a proprietary piece of software.
1: When there's no alternative, I don't think either of us have a problem with it. The problem is right. in the case, and, and I, I'm I'm using the Discord example because it's come up three different times in the last week of conversations. Mm-hmm. The, the Discord example is is, is good because it, there is there are open source alternatives that do the same thing that Discord does. We just don't want to take the time to make them approachable enough to other people and fix it. We'd rather complain about it and then point people towards the proprietary ones. That I think is.
0: Is, well, is I agree negative. with promotion of that thing, but to uh, well, that's, okay. that's that's a different thing. I, I totally agree with on the discord argument against discord versus matrix. I think that matrix is has the potential to be good enough and is at the current stage is a very good overall platform to use that I would say that it you could argue for it for sure. It's not better, but it's definitely very close. So I, I would I would say that there the argument between Discord and Matrix is is a valid thing, but there are certain types of like the uh, the the problem that i have with this whole proprietary software proprietary like uh, in quotes uh, quote unquote propri- proprietary garbage that people cl- call it they just say it's garbage regardless of what the reality is of that software and that's the problem they ignore what is valuable to the the industry that they are that use this software for example the design industry has adobe products unfortunately I don't like the fact that I've I used these products for t- multiple decades because they were the only option. But I did. But you
1: need non destructive editing.
0: Yes, I need something that allows me to do the, my job and do it efficiently. Whereas right. the alt- alternatives so, did, well, not here, so, did not exist so and did not do that. So here's
1: so here so here's I think what all three of us are saying. What what all three of us are saying is the way that we approach that situation is this: we talk about, we focus on, and we work with. GIMP or whatever the closest alternative is to the proprietary thing. Meanwhile, if you have to use a proprietary tool to do the job, then you use the proprietary tool to do the job, and we find some way to not to, to get that to run on Linux.
2: Right. Because I shouldn't not- be installing Linux and seeing, hey, you want to connect to Facebook, want to connect to Dropbox, want to connect, I should be seeing the open source alternatives there first. I shouldn't open yeah. a store for Linux on a distro and see you want to download Google Chrome, want to download Zoom, want to download Skype, want to download Adobe Reader, want to download Reaper, want to download Lightworks, those should be buried under I'm not saying remove them, but buried under the open source alternatives. The or open just have a button, just focus. have a button okay. that
1: switches from just have a button that switches from recommended to like like something that says like most popular. And then if the proprietary ones happen to be the most popular, so be it. But when you click on recommended, you have well, so fine. But when you cl- have something that says he- here's a problem, right? I sit down at my Mac and I get this beautiful introduction video on like, how do I use these gestures and how do I do these things? And then I sit down on my Linux box and I'm like, so here's a GNOME page. How do I use this? And there's no minimize. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. There's there's no instruction necessarily to the user. And so when it comes to software selection, a lot of people, actually I'd say 99% of people, they don't care what the icon is or what it's called. They just want to get their job done or they want to connect with the thing that they were told to connect to. Most people don't care we we care because we're nerds. The mistake that we make is we think that they care. But so if you're going to choose one, the way to do that is to make the open source version work as well as the proprietary version. And the yes. truth is, there's nothing stopping us from doing that. We just don't want to take the time because we don't think it matters, even though it does. And that then becomes confused and then perpetuated as, well, the proprietary solution is just better. No, it's not. It's not better. It's just, it's different. And we've not taken the time to finish doing the thing on the open source. Side. I
2: will add to, I think a lot of it has to do with attitudes. Like If, if, sure. if Adobe came to Linux tomorrow and wanted their $400,000 or whatever they cost for their license per month, People are going to pay it and it's just an expectation if glance for instance comes in or another software program that we use in open source and says you know what we need a donation for you to be able to download this the linux community is going to go nuts how dare you how mm-hmm. dare you try to charge me for these extra features I don't in know. here. I think, And, it depends and so I team. think we it happens all the time. It happens it all uh, the time. It, it,
1: it, but here's the thing. Give me a specific example and I'll tell you what they did wrong. If a project came out and said this. I agree here's with our, you. Here's, wrong. Here's, yeah. our, here's our GitHub page. Here's the code. If you want to go download the code and compile it and do whatever you want, it's GPL. Here it is. Go ahead and do that. If you don't want to pay for the code if instead you want prepackaged binaries you want support you want this you want that access to our forms those kind of things and then you pay us x amount of dollars and then we'll and then we'll still give you access to the same thing that's on github it's just we're going to handle it for you people go for that model and we know that that works because that's precisely what things like nextcloud are doing right the big yep. massive companies that have hundreds of thousands of people just pay for next cloud hosting from next cloud, and they treat it just like dropbox except except it's more secure the people like me uh, that run a business say i'll host it for other people and so there's a middleman and then you've got the people that just say i'm going to host it myself and, and and run it myself and you've got those people but that same piece of software that same code those same audits that same security that same benefits those same standards apply up and down no matter where in that spectrum you are That's the power and expandability of open source. And it functionally doesn't exist that way with proprietary software. Well said. I I totally
0: agree agree with you. And uh, unfortunately, there's also a piece that you're saying that we don't, we, there's an alternative that is open source. If it's not as good, then we have the problem with not being as good. And, Yes. in certain industries that is the exact current state we are in whether yes, the is. the alternative is not even close to being good the 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 field that I am in is design and I have uh, I actually did replace Photoshop with something else. It also happens to be proprietary, but it allows me to use it on Linux, and I gladly so paid him for doing it.
1: So you're making you're making my point though. That's the proper way to step through this. The proper yes. way is to first get the hardware secure, get the operating system secure, and then work your way up and get the proprietary thing to the smallest, most confined area possible. Because here's the reality: ten years from now, everything's going to be running on a container. Everything's going to be running on a container, even if you have a Windows app, it's probably going to be running on Azure inside of a Linux container. On, to, on top of Linux, right? So the security is going to be taken care of for us. So if it's a proprietary solution, so what? But get it to the smallest portion of your that's system the possible, the smallest portion of your workflow sure. possible.
0: that's my point. I don't like the fact that I have to use proprietary in certain things, but I do, I, I do appreciate when those proprietary app companies allow me to use the platform that I want to use. And I think that and, the platform... The reason I say proprietary is necessary for Linux, I don't think proprietary is necessary. I think it is necessary for Linux to get to the point where we can actually create change in order yes. to do open source backwards because, compatibility. Right, the people yes. who say that open source is the only way and that there is no other path are ignoring the current state of reality. That proprietary is the current expe- expectation of most users, and if I we don't have know that, if that's true. I don't know in, terms, in terms of my in terms of professionalism here's the th- here's, here's, what I, here's what
1: I, here's what I, here's what i think michael i think that i think that it, the, the the percentage probably breaks down something like this and i'm just making these up 70 mm-hmm. percent of people don't care if it's proprietary open source they don't even know what that means true. and if you explained it to them they would just blink at you a few times and then they move on with their life very true <laughs> the remaining 30 percent is split something probably like 20, 20% of them really like open source software and push for it and talk about it and all that. And 10% of them are like, my experience is proprietary is better. But that that, that sure, 10%, sure. that very small portion of people that are like, this is a better product. I've never once heard anybody ever tell me in the history of time, I want to use this product because I just like the proprietary model better. Every one of them just goes, listen, I don't care what the license is. It's just this one works better than that one. So make that one work as better as good as this one. And then I'll use that one instead.
0: Hundred percent agree. Hundred percent. If they, oh, if if Glimpse, for example, was as good as Photoshop, or even mm-hmm. as good as Photo P, which I currently use, then it would be no, no, without a doubt, that's the one I'm using. The problem mm-hmm. is, is that it's not at all close. And when it is, but see, I, we're, giving I, we're
2: giving our money to Photo P. We're giving our money to the Adobe product. We're not giving our money to. Uh, the developer that's the trying it, to make the, the open developer source that's one. trying to make the open source thing. And okay. So hold on. My, Before we get my into push this, is the nobody there's... is going to give money to them because once Adobe comes on Linux, which they will, because Noah's hundred percent correct. Eventually it will be in a container. It'll be in the cloud and everybody can use it there. Anyways, nobody's going to care. And because we, as a community, I feel like are starting to lose our values of saying this is what we expect when you come on to the Linux operating system. And yes, there can be a time in between in which we're happy you put your product on Linux, but you also need to start moving towards open source. If we lose that foundation, we're right back to Windows. We might as well just boot Windows.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm not arguing for proprietary anyway. Just to be clear, I am not a fan of proprietary. Weak thumbs. How dare you? I am not a fan of proprietary. I don't want proprietary to be the norm. It just currently is. So if we ignore that piece then I think that we are putting ourselves in an automatic like uh, we're in a race that we're not even in the same arena. We're not even allowed to we be on the same track. We don't need to shame
2: people but we need to push them.
0: And yes, that's and where I'm getting at. That's Well, I
1: don't even I don't even you know I don't even know if it's we need to push people so much as I've tried to take like this people. stance the the the, the <laughs> past I'd say maybe 6 months 7 months I've been trying to take the stance that I'm going to I'm going to run my company, my life on on open source stuff sure. because I think it's a better way to do it. If you look at that and say, man, you know what? I never hear him coming on the show talking about like how he lost all his data or how he couldn't get to something from one time or that wasn't compatible with this thing or he lost a contract because he couldn't import it into LibreOffice. Turns out none of that stuff actually really happens in practice once you get your hand to re- hang around where the skeletons are buried, which is true in any software proprietary or otherwise. And if you want to follow along in that journey, then I'm a, then I'm then we're a great place to be because we're doing that too. And if you want, to, you want to go a different way, you're welcome to do that. Just understand the, the goal, the thing we're trying to skate to is open source. The thing we're trying to skate to mm-hmm. is freedom from any one particular yeah. business. And exactly. we're making some progress. That's My, becoming the
0: state. I, I 100% agree with that. My point is, like, I'm going to use your analogy of the skating to things. My point mm-hmm. about having the proprietary available to the Linux platform is so that we can skate freely without the rocks in the way. Mm-hmm. That's all I want. If we had sure. that option, we could get to that point where we could show that proprietary is not as good as open source. But until we can get them to actually come over to our platform to Im- to experience the open source, we're we're kind of fighting a battle with one hand time behind our back. And I think that it's to, to say that proprietary is better. Hundred percent, it is not. But proprietary mm-hmm. exists as the standard now, so if we embrace, we can do the whole old. What, ar- what argument. It's funny? It. We didn't have that. to what do ma- all ma- of this for Linux that.
2: to take off, though. We, we, it we took didn't off in the servers. So you're you're taking to making- all the proprietary software and and fill our machines with Microsoft and Adobe products, and somehow Linux fell into the the world of taking over so many things without all of that because right. we held to our standards, we held our foundation, and if companies wanted to, when we dominated the server, come on Linux. They had to participate in the open source realm. Somehow we got there, but now all of a sudden we're saying, hey, in order for us to ever grow again, we've got to layer in the proprietary. I know you're not saying that, Michael, but that's right. what it feels like that's people the message. are. That's yeah. the message that people seem to be sending right now. But the problem is the devil's We're not advocate. pushing people to say, you know what? Maybe, maybe GIMP isn't as good as Adobe yet, but let's still try to use it and keep providing bug reports and keep trying to donate to the program to get it there. Okay, here's and just the, giving and up and here's on the thing, it and using in, Adobe. In the pla- this in is not a good
0: example. You could give another example. The problem is that you're talking about a thing that I have experienced for 20 years. Gimp has been around since 1994, and I'm sorry, it's nowhere near it. It has never been near it. They've been in. They getting They get in their own way for years. They have replaced developers over the years many a times over. It is not a, That is not a project we should push. I'm sorry. Okay, so it's that's just fine. Not. So then, so then, plants, so, so
1: then, called. so sure, then, so then, my very next question. My very next question becomes what other project has more promise? Or what can we do to help GIMP people get up to the the, the, and didn't we change the name? Wasn't there some no there was
0: there was the the name was yes, the name is terrible and they did make glimpse. There was a fork called Glimpse.
1: What can we do to support Glimpse or or GIMP to get them to, to where they need to be? That seems like the approach we should take. Now, if they never get I'm there, sad. they never get there. But that's how we that should be our view in the community. And more, and more yes. often than not, we have we get we get into this thing where we spend our time defending why Adobe Photoshop is better than Gimp rather than talking about how we can make GIMP better.
2: Yes, Noah. Yes, I agree
0: with yes. that. I my that point is one, is one that two, ins- three,
2: four, I declare a thumb war. No, I win. we we can't.
0: Michael, you lose. You can't weak give thumbs. me a thumb war weak battle thumbs. with my weak thumbs. Not fair. So what we're what, 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 basically what I'm saying is, I agree with everything you're saying. We should have the the. We should be focusing on trying to make Glimpse and all the other alternatives for the open source aspects of, as, as best as we can, and give them the the stuff that they need to do this. But. We shouldn't ignore the value of having the proprietary because with proprietary software available on Linux, we can bring in people in an easier thing because right now people go, hey, I would, just, I would like to use Linux. And they're like, oh, okay, so can I use this? No. Can I use it? No. So Can I use, So no. we
1: we shouldn't under we shouldn't underestimate the value of being able being able to run proprietary software yes. on Linux is what you mean yes. to say. There is no value in running right. proprietary software. I, There's agree just a, no,
0: I, okay. I agree. I don't think that proprietary is good in any way. But I think that we are in a state where if we completely say that proprietary has no place on Linux,
1: your business model.
0: <laughs> yeah, and yet yeah, that too. But having saying proprietary has no business on Linux is a way to make sure Linux never and, grows and I'm on the desktop. I'm not saying that. And I nobody may have said that, that in the
2: past, because um, I tend to go on rants, especially when it comes to AMD <laughs> stuff. But um, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that, that, that the alternatives that we have in the open source should be pushed first. Yes. All of these people, by the way, who like to go out, because there's a lot of them in the Linux community, probably in every community, they like to go out and make stuff up about companies that, You know, in the open source community that they're devils and demons and all of this nonsense that they make up all of these things to get excited about. Focus your energy on the things that actually are happening that we could get excited about, such as let's tell these distros we don't want a prompt when we first install it to tell us to connect to Facebook, to connect to Google, to connect to all of these things, but rather we want those prompts to show open source. Focus on those things in a kinder way a nice gentle push off a mountain i mean off a small hill and uh <laughs> get them towards that versus you know making up stuff
1: hey come join our support group on facebook
0: <laughs> right. but, I agree. but i'm just saying I, I mean
1: that's the kind of stuff we're talking about
2: yeah
0: yeah and i also think it's 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 really interesting that we started with this knowing that this we were going to have a big argument and we ended with we actually found a compromise that we're all happy to talk to express. Did you back down from the thumb war because well, I, I don't know
1: if it's so much <laughs> an argument as much as Ryan and I convincing you that, 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 that you're you were reasons. wrong. No, no, no. That, no, but, no yeah.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I'm not wrong. I still – you agreed that there we can't – we shouldn't – Don't push. die on this
2: hill because I'll shouldn't push you p- off it.
0: We shouldn't push people off the cliff regardless if they have proprietary open source we should just promote and f- and focus we on should giving be, we the, should plat- we should, the people we should we should build a bridge on that cliff so they don't fall yeah. off when they're open or, source that's right. or <laughs> the right but trip we should, but we shouldn't green.
1: venture out onto the bridge we should stay decidedly on this side of the bridge and let them come to us yes. we don't go out on the bridge we don't play like, on the bridge we right. don't hang out on the bridge all we i'm don't saying i agree anyways. we don't we, hold community events on the bridge we should do as much
0: as we can to get away from the bridge all i'm saying is we should at least build the bridge first
1: yeah, that's fine. Build the bridge. And Michael, you go out and play on there when you have to do your- And me and
0: your, Noah will stay on your, the right side of the bridge. No, I'm not going yeah, out like there. You have I'm to just color scared.
1: your pictures. You go ahead and do that. And then when you're done coloring, color your you come back- off the bridge, back to the safe zone. We invite everybody else. to There's not out.
2: a good paint by numbers program for Linux that he can use. No, other than a proprietary that's, option. That's why he's using the Adobe suite.
0: Right. <laughs> like, I'm not using like, Adobe suite anymore. That's what's awesome. But the but the thing is, it's still proprietary. The thing I do use, it's just on Linux, and it makes me but happy. Here, so okay, okay, so
1: let so one step so one step below that, right? If we're not going to promote pr- proprietary stuff, and I agree with that, I think there is probably a level of promotion that is requisite for companies. Like Lightworks and Discord and yes. Zoom and all these other companies that make a proprietary product, but at the end of the day, if Zoom wasn't on Linux, we wouldn't be doing this show right now, and we can hate it, and we can talk about why open source should be better. I mean, all those things are still true, but it is also true that we wouldn't be doing a show right now if it wasn't for Zoom on Linux, and so we should be thankful and grateful that those companies,, yes. even
2: though they don't That's share our what vision I'm them,
0: saying That's what do I'm this
2: saying. yes yes. But that doesn't mean we make them more focused.
0: Yes, right. no, absolutely not focused. Just also don't do the thing that the community has been known for in the past. Like there was a game that came out a few years ago and they were like, how dare you use Wine to make it work on Linux for our platform and we'll hate you forever. And they, it, pushed, yeah, the, yeah, it yeah. pushed the company away. That's the problem. If we do that, that is a negative to the platform and the ecosystem. All I'm saying is that we don't make them hate being a part of our ecosystem. We correct. Let, we we at that least seems like a good idea. we show them yes. the love. At least right. give them be- we gently trip them. Yes, we politely embrace them and give them a hug right. saying thank you for becoming a part of the Linux ecosystem.
1: Now And then we jump off the cliff with them together. While holding a <laughs> bungee
0: <laughs> where we're on a bungee jump of course. Bungie, of course, yeah. of course. And we, we, we ex- nice and, soft landing sh- and we the show source them source how community. much fun open source can be.
2: You won't believe this Ted asked me where's the bridge we're talking about. He's so stupid. I'm not talking about a physical bridge, Ted. it's Not a physical bridge. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's 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 a completely An fictional it's, it's a hypothetical, mythical thing right now, Ted. Just like Ted.
2: There you call him. Mythical. That was good. That was good. That was- so next up, now that we're out of that passionate topic, you may want to relieve some of the stress, especially if you disagree with Michael, which is where you should be on this matter. You. If you're on the other side with Noah and I on the bridge, then you probably wait. You just said not it. being
0: on the bridge. Now Wait, you're making
1: it. We're, on the we're not on the bridge, Ryan. You and I are on this side. Michael's yeah, we're playing on the bridge. No, no, no.
0: I'm on the same back. side as you. I'm just also helping no, make you're the on bridge. The other side of the No, bridge. I'm not we're, on that bridge. I'm not on the other side. Ted, I'm helping the creation of the bridge. It's a very different. I'm in the middle for right now.
2: <laughs> in the point is that you need to check out a game called Shing, and you could guess just by the name of Shing what yeah. this game would be about. Because what <laughs> makes a Shing sound, Ted? Not a bat. Come on. A sword. A sword (laughs) makes the Shing sound. So this game is the most exciting, as they describe it. An immersive beat-em-up combat system. Play solo or with friends, four-player, local player, or online co-op. Experience immersive and intuitive controls. Enjoy gameplay that never gets old, because you get multi-layered combat in here. Experiment with all of the different combat styles. And the best part, I think, for a lot of people, because we have some people who are hardcore gamers some people who may grow up on console gaming, that this would be one of those where it's an arcade-like game setup. So it's easy. You pick up a controller, you plug it into your Linux box, and you start playing because the game runs on Linux natively. You're not going to have to use any uh, layers or anything to uh, get it to work on your machine. So this is a very cool-looking game, like Ninja Gaiden style maybe, but with a lot more depth great looking graphics overall and something to check out with 21 positive reviews out there it just came out on August 28th. So consider okay. checking it out. Yeah. My,
1: my question before I can play this game is I need to know, is
2: it required to pronounce it shing every time you have to, if you do not do that, you're you don't say you're basically shing. on the bridge on the other side of the bridge with Michael.
0: I'm not on the other side. I'm help building the bridge. And also, this game looks fantastic, and I want to play it. I am a huge fan of ninja-based games, especially like these platformer-type games. So I look forward to playing. Oh, that's it. right!
2: That's how you cheat in all the first-person shooters. That, you play the that ninja is character. not.
0: That's just that one game, and it's not. That's cheating why they put the dominated game. dominated in Zenotic Noah. And how? by the way, the Dln Whoa. Game Fest. Was I'm not. The, I'm not the one who kept saying, "Hey, don't shoot! Time out." <laughs>
2: Well, listen, that that worked. that strategy worked. It did work a, a bit, little bit. But you know who it didn't work against? Uh, Wendy or Noah. They both were actually surprisingly good at this game. And we're going to do some things, to So the community can get together and do some of this stuff. We'll talk about later on uh, more often between all the communities and dealing because mm-hmm. I don't know. Noah was excited about golf. With I like I'm not going to lie. He loves Zenotic, So mm-hmm. that was exciting yeah.
1: for me. Oh, yeah, that's right. We play the golf game, too. Zanotic yeah. was great. It was super fun
0: right yeah i'm a huge fan of Sonic. it needs a it needs a, a ninja so it has a slice and dice option i that cheater that's not cheating it's actually harder because you have less power and less durability yeah, whatever, in that game and, okay, how dare you
1: maybe you're new to linux and most of the rest of the show we are listening it sounds like french to you well don't fear that's what our tips and tricks section is for it's to get you introduced to the linux system or maybe i'm working linux for 20 years and you just didn't know some of these things. Uh, never too late to learn. So we're talking about the Linux file system. It can be very confusing uh, when you're just starting out because it does function a little bit different than the Windows file system, but everything on Linux is a file, and so to that end, we're going to talk about where all of these things are and where they're stored. Past weeks, we've covered slash temp, bin, boot, dev, Etsy, and lib. If you'd like to find more about those, we invite you to go back to previous episodes and check those out. This week, we're covering slash media. Now, by comparison, slash media is where is... is 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 relatively newer um, folder as compared to what has traditionally been in Linux. There have been a lot of different open source projects that have tried to mount uh, USB media and optical media in various different places over the years. Um, but these days, if you plug in a flash drive, you plug in an SD card, it's going to up, show up in slash media, slash your username, and then slash the name of the card and or flash drive. It's used as a mount point for where you can actually access that data. Now, again, depending on your distro, this may change, right? Some of them run in, uh, in um, like, I think Dev Mapper dev slash map or something like that. So it, it, it kind of depends on which distro you're using, but the vast majority of them to include things like Kubuntu, um, Ubuntu, Fedora, Red Hat, um, they're all going to show up in slash media. And so this is a directory that it is okay for you to play with a little bit and go in there and and, and browse and see what those files are, create some folders, add, uh, remove those kinds of things. That's going to be perfectly okay because it's a place that's designed for user interaction, both through the GUI and through the uh, the terminal base. Um, so Slash media, that's where you'll go if you want to find removable media or things that you've inserted into the computer. Please come back as we round out our explanation of what all is in the Linux file system during our tips, tricks, and software
0: picks. So up next in the show, we have the software spotlight, and I am super excited to talk about this. Oh, I did not actually mean to do this pun. The name of the application is Super Productivity. I did not mean to say the super excited. I just am super excited because this is a really cool application. He was because he went shut up about it all week on my Telegram. <laughs> like,
2: make this the software spotlight. Make this the software. Like, shut up, Michael. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. It's so, a pretty good one.
0: Yeah, it was. It was. It was fun because I, I I saw it like the like the demo the demo of it and showed like the screenshots. I was like, this has a lot of potential. I wonder. Okay, I'm gonna try it. And I tried it. Like, okay, this is fantastic. So it's essentially a to do app. It's a task manager. It has that kind of stuff, but it also has a bunch of other features, like a Pomodoro timer. Which, if you're not familiar, it's a method of time management where you have a series of work times, break times, and then longer break times over a cycle. And it, you'll just you should just look it up what what that is. It'll explain it better. Uh, but it's a, it's essentially a really nice way that I've used for a while, and to have that built into the to do system and also have a time tracker based on the to-do. So if you have one, during that period of time, you finish one of the works, you can keep the Pomodoro timer running on the Super Productivity, Super Productivity app and then switch task. It will keep a track between them separately. So each task is tracked how long you spend the time. And then also the Pomodoro timer is going as a separate thing. And you also, it has a bunch of other features and like, it's just fantastic. It also doesn't collect any data. It does, and it stores all the, out locally. You can also put it on different syncing services. The only thing that I say that is potentially a problem, I hope they fix it at some point, is that the only syncing services I've seen are uh, uh, Google Drive and Dropbox. So That doesn't
1: matter. You can yeah. use C-file.
0: Uh I would like for that kind of thing to be available if they just make it more obvious in that sense. But uh, I, I think that the, overall, it's a fantastic application. And I, I also found this other piece that I was like, what is this here? It is like special extra timers. So I I load that up, and the extra timer is if you have a stand up desk, you can keep track of how how long you're standing throughout the day, <laughs> and versus sitting. And you also can Very have. A, cool. There's another timer you can set up. Like it'll automatic. It'll you can just click a button. and It'll keep count of how many cups of coffee you've had. And stuff does it have like a stool that.
2: timer? How long you've actually used the stool that sat there so long? Well, that and would it's be here. No a permanent to place and you're whoa, in your whoa, whoa. Do that.
0: There's 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 tons of reasons to use a stool, and also it does not come by default with an extra timer for stools. However, it does have ability to create custom timers, and yes, I did Thank make goodness. a stool timer, and it is fantastic. I'm a big fan of this application. I would like for it to be just the entire like there's it's so close to being like the complete solution that I I have already switched a lot of my workflow to it. I'm I Very I'm. Cool. I am super excited about this application, and if you haven't, if you're looking for a to-do app and you haven't found one that works for you, I think Super Productivity is a well-made. And you can product. get it as
2: a snap, an app image, or a dev yep. file. So whatever and you want.
0: It's also available to use uh, w- uh, this other cool feature of connecting. Let's say you're a developer, you can connect your GitLab or GitHub and Jira and stuff like that. And when you make new t- new tasks are created on that those Git instances, it will. Updated on your system to create those tasks inside of Super Productivity. Very cool application. Check it out.
1: Question: How do I make it dark mode?
0: Uh, it's, it's in the settings. You ha- there is a dark oh. mode settings. You can okay. do that. All right. Okay. I, that's the first this thing is, I looked at this too. Is, here's, here's, <laughs> I was this like, is I cool. have to have, been, have a dark mode. I've
1: been I, this. This is a perfect example of celebrating a uh, of, of 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 me being guilty of exactly what we talked about not doing. There is a particularly a proprietary solution that works particularly well for for to do lists, and so I've talked about it before and, and, and encourage people to use it. And what I'm looking at from super productivity is this does everything I wanted to do. And then some, and the interface looks way better.
0: Yeah, I also Thanks. forgot is- to mention the project management. It also has project management as well. So you can have different tasks based on different projects you're working on. You can switch back and forth. It also has a cool thing where you're into the day. You just click, I'm done with this this task. I'm done with this task. I'm done with this task. At the end of the day, it says, oh, all finished for the day. Click that button. It saves the entire list of the things that you have completed, not the stuff that's still available to do the next day, but everything that's completed into a history. So you can go back and check each day what you did on that day. And it's organized by a calendar and all. It's a fantastic application. So the just, so the only try it.
1: the only thing I don't like about it is both the Dropbox sync and the Google sync appear to be an API thing. So you are for mm. it's not just like writing to a directory and then syncing it. You actually have to, so it'd be really great to um for what if if they could do if they could set that up so that we could just use something like C file, but maybe somebody right. can help us make that happen.
0: I would love go. to talk to the developers about that piece because if that if that one piece was solved, it would be. Completely, just fantastic, amazing. So, it was, I would I would switch without question right now. Integration into I'm Jira, already GitHub,
1: in. and GitLab too, huh?
0: Yeah, it's it's impressive, and uh, especially when I I just found it off the cuff of just looking through random. Like every periodically, I'll I'll look for something that I already use and see yeah. like, is there a better option? And I found like a bunch of different options, and this was just sitting in the mix of it. And it, when I te- and I looked at, it, I was like wait, is this what I want? Is this exactly what I want? And then I, I started playing with it. I was like, wow, it does more than I want. This is very cool. And it also looks great. And it's got smooth animations and stuff. It's, if, if, if you wanted to do that, I know I'm kind of overselling it at this point.
2: You're not. I'm, I'm, I'm playing with it as you're talking about it. Everything you're saying is... Well, if the dev once they can reach out to us. We'd love to have them on the program to talk about this. Since you all love it so much, let's do it. Let's yes, get them on.
0: absolutely. That'd be awesome.
2: All right. So a big thank you to each and every one of you for watching or listening, however you consume this amazing show. We want to thank you for that. If you want more DL, become a patron like all of these beautiful people with us here today. You can watch the show live. And if you can't make it live on the days that we're recording, you get an unedited version of the show. There's so much more content that you're missing out on. So consider going to sponsors or Patreon and supporting the show.
0: And also you can check out the DLN store by, so you can get a bunch of cool merch that's related to the network. So like some swag for DLN and you can support get- Support Ted shirt. You can get it. Well, that's not a thing yet. Maybe it should be. And we have no. a- t- t- <laughs> No. We have t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, and more. And we're working on even more things like that. And potentially a support Ted t-shirt depending on whether or not we can get Noah to agree. And, uh, but go to DLNstore.com to check it out, uh, store dot com and it is like there are so much great stuff there. It, it it might not help you to be more productive as the super productivity, but I think it will. At least the mug for your coffee would totally help. So right, help you it. keep
2: count of your coffee. Yeah.
1: yeah, if you want help keeping track of your coffee, or if you want help keeping track of Michael's sore thumbs, then it's time for you to join the DLN community forums. <laughs> you can not miss your chance to join the shindig by going to the DLN discourse forums, and that way you can be car become a part of the family join us and help us help michael
2: recover from his weak thumbs yes so that was so thoughtful no i yep. try
0: you're so you're so help you're so helpful uh so yeah if you want to be a part of the shindig then go to the dln community and join us on the forum and everywhere else and uh, we've also got some more content f- that's awesome for you to check out at the Destination Linux Network website at DestinationLinux.network where you'll find all sorts of open-source goodness from podcasts, YouTube channels, and so much more. So everybody have a great week and remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination.
2: Thanks, everyone. Bye.
0: See you next week.
1: Oh bye Bye-bye.
0: Uh, patrons, if you'd like to join the show, you can turn your mic on and turn your uh, videos on and join us in the post-show.
2: Neil, what's happening, man? Hey, Jason, Ryan, welcome,
0: welcome, welcome! What a great
2: first name, by the way.
0: I was gonna say the same thing to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice! Destination List Network shirt. I wish. Oh, awesome. look at that shirt! Yes, yeah, but how baby. is my audio? Uh, mm-hmm. very, very robotic. Yep. Yeah.
2: But is it like choppy or anything? Yes. Choppy,
0: robotic. Yes. What happens when that's, you're, that's what happens thing. when you're in the middle of the okay. bridge. You sound like that. <laughs> what happened? What? <laughs> Sorry, I missed it. What happened? The bridge is helpful, man.
2: <laughs> you stay on your side of the bridge. Don't I'm come no, over I'm to I'm our side. I'm on the
0: same side. I'm just helping No, no you're bridge. not. You're I'm clearly just, not. I'm providing the lumber again. For the Okay. <laughs> I'm providing the lumber. How
2: is, how is my audio now? <laughs> Much yeah, better. Much better. better. You, you
0: can talk yeah. now.